Okay. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, missed you last week. Um, had a very uh, meaningful trip to Israel, to say the least. It was very high and very low, to be honest. It was very complicated. Rashai Shach to last night, and the way he described his trip, I think it was the way I felt exactly about my trip. So beautiful and amazing, and so difficult and painful and hard. Um, and I did it in 72 hours, and I like, came home, and I didn't know what to do with myself, actually. I got back here, I like did not... It was actually about Shabbat that I wasn't here for Shabbos. I don't know what I would have said. I don't know how I would have, like, described anything in shul. I was, like, too... I was, like, in a, like, in a fog. Well, I was there. And the whole time I was there, actually, I kind of felt like I... I I'm like, am I really standing here? Is this really happening? Am I seeing this? Um, each thing. The wonderful things and the terrible things. And... Uh, so I'm going to figure out more how to talk about it as, as the week goes on, I think. But, um, it was the bravery, it was the sadness of the pain and the loss. I think the absolute hardest thing for me to experience, we went to the, to the headquarters of um, Bring Them Home Now in Tel Aviv. That was absolutely the most excruciating thing to see. Uh, we met three different uh, individuals there. We were not set up to meet them. We just found them walking around the, the, the building and in, in the, there's this big square by the Tel Aviv like arts and theater situation, whatever, I don't know what it's called exactly. It's this big square. They have all kinds of things and we found another family there. And you just sort of walk around and, t- and they just tell you about what's happening, what their life is like for the last 50 days. Um, and it was absolutely horrifying with no sense. And each of these people have children who are men um, in their 20s or 30s or 40s. I think of them getting them back. It was terrible. So that was actually the hardest. I saw other really terrible things. That was the most painful, I think, to see their pain and to see pain that's getting worse as time goes on rather than better as time goes on. I think that was very, that was very, very bad. I saw wonderful things. We met Chayalim in the hospitals who were like, you know, the bravest people you've ever seen in your whole life. So I, I wrote some of these things. And I, I wrote, if you didn't see, I wrote some of these things in the WhatsApp. And I sent out an email. But... Um, uh, what were you thinking when you drove? What was I thinking? That's just what you do. I just go. As a police officer who lives in Tresheva or somewhere, I don't know where he lives, and he just got in his car and he drove and he fought until he got shot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay, so we're not here to talk about that right now. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit, but not really. Um, but it was, so it was amazing, and I, I can't, we should all go. We should all go back. They, they so appreciate what we're doing. It is like amazing. They, everybody said, everybody said, were you at that thing in Washington, D.C.? They all said that. I said, they're like, yeah, it was amazing. Like, we think they're not watching. They are watching and they are paying attention and they appreciated Todash about them. It was like, I was sitting there in the hospital with, with, a, with a couple guys and talking and all of a sudden he got up and I realized he had this huge tattoo on his arm. And I realized at that moment that I hadn't even thought about whether he was Dati or not. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about it. It didn't matter. And that was amazing also. Like it, did, like it literally didn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That was amazing. I never experienced that in Israel either. That was amazing also. That was amazing. Yeah. So that was amazing. That was amazing. So let's talk now though about a story in Parshish Vayeshev. Um, a story that we know. And um, a story that, that I think, you know, I hope we'll share some old ideas and some new ideas how to t- talk about this story. So the story starts in source number one. Um, Yosef is already now in Mitzrayim. 
And by the way, the parallels, Jen has been, been on me with this. And I think she's so right. <laughs> Every single story in the parsha right now is like literally parallels what's happening. It's nuts. Yeah. It is crazy. Brothers fighting and then one of them gets taken to another land. And it's, it's, it's nuts. It's crazy. It happens to be. It's crazy. It's all here. So Yosef is a slave taken from his family in a foreign land. And what happens? We know that Yosef figures it out. Wherever he is, he figures it out and he makes it good and makes it work. So he's in the house of Potiphar and Potiphar puts him in charge. And what happened? Everything was good. Hashem blessed the house of the Egyptian because of Yosef. Everything was good in the house. Why? Because Yosef was there. And he hands over everything. Potiphar hands everything over to Yosef. There's nothing that, that, that he even knew what was going on. He just handed it over. He trusted Yosef so much. And the Torah happens to notice, to note that Yosef is a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy. So what happens? Potiphar's wife comes after him to seduce him. And he refuses. What do you mean? Your husband has given me everything. I'm the highest ranking officer in the house. The only thing I said off limits is you. How could I do such a terrible thing and sin in front of God? So he says no, right? Already. Very powerful, very strong. Yosef says no. But what happens? Every day. He can't run away. She's in the house. This is where he works. He has nowhere to go. He can't run away. So he's stuck, right? So what does he do? And he refuses. And the day came. He comes to his house to do his work. And there's nobody there. Right? A little shout out. Right? There's some people around. It's not going to happen. Right? And then the day, when we keep Hilchos Yichud, it's a good rule in general in life, a lot of good things can happen. When we don't, a lot of bad things can happen. So a side point, but an important point. She grabs him. He runs away. He runs away, etc., etc., etc. Fine. And what happens? They hear about it and they throw him in jail. They throw him in jail. Fine. So, the, so Chazal, as they show us this story, so they share with us something miraculous that happens in that moment. How was Yosef able to have this power, this ability to withstand this test day after day after day? How did he do that? So skip source number two for a second. It's Rashi. But Rashi is quoting a Gemara in Sota. And Daflam and Vav, Amabay is one of the, I don't know, one of the most well-known Midrashim in the entire, quoted in the entire Torah. It's quoted in, in the Gemara in Sota, but quoted about the story in the Torah. And the, story, the, the, the Gemara says the following story. He went home, he went to the house to do his work. What do you mean to do his work? Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel have machlokas, what Yosef was intending that morning. What did he go? He finally was willing, he was going to give in that day with her. And no one's home. No one's out, home in the whole house. This big mansion with all these workers and servants. There's nobody there. 
So Tana the Bay Rabbi Shmuel Osa Yom Yom Chagam Haya. It was a, it was a holiday. Vahakulan the base avodas hakochavim shalem. They all went to 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 the to the uh, you know the house of idolatry. And she says, I'm not feeling well, I'll stay home. So Amra This is my chance. So what happens? So she grabs his, his clothing. And what happens, says the Gemara? But Osa Shah at that moment, That moment Yoshif has a vision. And he sees his father's face. Where? Bachalon? In the window. In the window. Okay. And what does it say? Amarlo. And he speaks to him. Yosef. <laughs> not, not just a vision. He's a talking vision. <laughs> Yosef. You know, if like, like in a movie, you'd see that like, this would be done like very nicely. Like, like, the, like the, the character who died comes back and like sits next to you. You know, like, you're right? And so what happens? So he says to him, Yosef, Your brothers are going to have their names on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. And your name is going to be there. You want it, not everyone quotes the full language here, right? You want to have your name removed from there and you're going to become called something else, right? Is that what you want? You want to lose that chance to be one of the shifte ka? You want to lose it? And so what happens? He holds back and he doesn't give in. He doesn't give in. So it, it's a beautiful medrash. It's a beautiful medrash. But I, but it's a, a little bit of a, like a, okay, cool. Like he gets this cool vision and that's how he's able to strengthen himself. And I guess in its own, it's like, it's just very beautiful. It's nice. But I, I want to, I'd like tonight, today, today, to, t- I don't know what that is. I'm back. No, I'm okay. I'm, I'm sleeping still now already. But I, I want to talk a little bit about what, what, this, what this means. What does it mean? He saw his father's face in the window. Like, what's that supposed to mean? But, but tell me first. Like, what do, you, what do you think that means? What's, what's the meaning of this medrash? What would you say? What he instilled in him. Okay. What he instilled with the father, the Nidos and Yerushalayim and everything, you know, the border. That's, you don't go any higher. Right. So meaning, he didn't, like, really see his father's face. Like, his father's face didn't, like, show up. But rather, he... Like saw it for himself. It was like a, it was an internal conversation that Yosef's having with himself. He remembers and thinks about his father, right? And he and he realizes this is what this is not who I'm supposed to be. This it's pasnished for me. He realized okay, so. So, what, so one possibility is the Torah is like the, the Chazal are like playing out this conversation in his head. Okay, yeah, it's possible. What else? Um, how Yaakov kind of became same idea, but how Yaakov became his conscience. Right. As, as a, a parent, father. as yeah. a parent, right? Yeah, like what our kids know. One of my my, my sisters in law says this to me a lot of times. She says like, your kids know what your values are. Mm-hmm. Like, do they think that you like don't want them to do ex- like they know what you want them to do? You have to like hack them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the daven and the parentheses and like they, your children don't know the things that you want them to do. Like, pretty overt about what we want in our house, right? We do them. So you think the kids don't know? It's like you don't have to always like tell them all the time, right? But this is a great example. Like, there's a certain Right, values that had permeated Yosef's consciousness. And so in that moment, he almost has like this flash of realization of who his family is and who he's supposed to be. Okay. I have yeah. a question, though. Yeah. I remember another time that we talked about, he wasn't sure whether his father set him up. Ah, uh, good. So, you know, he, right now, he's still not even sure his dad really loves him. Good. Yol really Benun says this approach, and Rabbi Sachs quotes this idea that, that Yosef, why doesn't Yosef send a letter to his father? All these years. So he thinks his father, if you 
put all, if you just look at the pieces of the story, Yaakov sends Yosef to his brothers. His brothers are there. They grab him, throw him in a pit, sell him to Mitzrayim. He's like, he's like, wait a second. He's like, and every family, in my, in my family, always one of the brothers gets thrown out. So maybe dad was in on it. And he argues, perhaps that's for the reason why Yosef doesn't phone home. Right? It's not that far. Right? Send a letter. Right? Write something. I don't know. He has, he's, a, he's a viceroy of Egypt. Why is he there? Because he, he, maybe he thinks his father... Right? And then, there's a... Whatever. Later on, when the brothers come and they, and they start talking on their own and they reveal that this is all they're doing, he realizes that it, was, it wasn't his dad. You know, but fine. But yes, that would make this challenging. But by the way, even if that was true, still, he, right, he feels connected to his... To his father, still a certain. We, we we still remain connected to our parents, even when we think even that. Even after right. he had made him a special coat of many colors. Okay, yes, challenge. Yeah, so yeah. we yeah, yeah. So that's a rewind shear. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I want to share with you. We'll see how much we have time. Three three ideas to understand this. One is an idea I've shared a long long time ago, but it's like one of my favorite ideas, and it's, it's so nice with the Hanukkah I said I I gotta throw it in, and then two other ideas which are a little newer. So the first idea I heard from Rabbi Tzvi Ram. Rabbi Ram is the rabbi of the Bialstaker synagogue in the Lower East Side. Rabbi Ram works a lot of a lot of gay room. He's a wonderful, wonderful rabbi. He works in Wayu. He's a really wonderful person. So he noticed and points out that, that Chazal have this face of Yaakov appear in a very specific place. Where? Window. The window. Okay, so we think window means it's like in the glass, right? There's only one problem. There's no glass yeah. There's no that. glass in the windows in Okay, It wasn't like a reflection. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a different medrash that says that Yaakov, Eila told us Yaakov Yosef, I think I'm going to quote it soon, yeah. that he looked, he looked like him. And so maybe when he looked in the window, so somebody said, oh, he looked at the window, he saw his own face, he saw his father. Mm-hmm. It's not really possible because there were no windows. They didn't have glass in the windows in Mitzrayim, apparently. I didn't know that. But. So why did they so, use that word? So, uh, uh. So what is good? So what does chalon really mean? What does it come? What's the shorish of the word chalon? It's not glass. It's not his, reflection. His dream from when everybody was. Okay, it could be chalom. That's good. That's good. Or opening, like halal, an open space is called halal, right? Actually, a a corpse, right? a lifeless body is called a halal, right? Because it's it's empty, right? Uh, what's something that is lacking Kedusha, something that doesn't have Kedusha, is called Chulin. Mesechus Chulin, actually, is all about food that is regular. It's not Kodesh, right? And a Chalon also is an open space. So he wants to argue that what, when do people tend to fall and make mistakes and do things that are against their nature and things they don't really want to do, but things that are exciting and fun, but they're not really good for themselves, when they feel a void in their life. Someone feels a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning. So we very often we find that some people fall into drugs and alcohol, all those types of things. When usually when things are already going not so great, right? I'm feeling empty, so we numb, right? We numb, we fill that void with all kinds of stuff that feels good, right? And he wants to argue that Yosef is feeling pretty low. Yosef is feeling very empty. He's feeling abandoned by his family, whatever way, father, brothers, whoever it is. He's all by himself. He has nobody. Right? That he's married with children. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. This is, this is while he's still first stage. Before he goes to jail, becomes out of jail, becomes a viceroy, that's when he gets married with children. Okay. So this point is still before that. He's just, just 
first stage, first stage servant. Yeah, he's still pretty young. He's still pretty young. And also, like, he's still, you know, he's Jewish. He's different from everybody. Different from everybody. He's the Ivory, exactly. Yes, different, hard, all by himself. And so who reaches out to, to fill that void? Ages Potiphar. It's a nice way to fill that hole in your life with somebody who's interested in you. Right? And what does he see instead? He sees his father's face where? In the chalal hapesach, in the chalon, in that open space, saying to him, don't fill the void with this. Is that, excuse me, is that how people either go to derech or people become balichuvas? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but, but his point is that instead of having that void filled by other things, his father's face shows up in the window to say to him, Yosef, don't fill it with that. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, too, you're too good for that. You have a meaning. You have value. You have something that you're going to do. So go do it. So go do it. And I think what's so interesting, by the way, just connect, to connect it to Hanukkah for a second, where is the place where we're supposed to light the menorah? So either the Chalal HaTasach at your doorway or Bachalon. Why? Because what's, what's all of Hanukkah about? The Yivanim who say, you don't need all this spiritual stuff. Fill your life with physicality. Fill your life with the world. Fill your life with vomitoriums. Fill your life with right stuff and things and the body and exciting and fun and enjoy. And just like, let life be fun and exciting and great. Fill that void with anything else. And we say, actually, we'll take that hole in our wall and we're going to fill it with a menorah with the Kinyar Mitzvah of Torah or. Right? So the message of the father, his father showing up in the chala, a chalon, is specifically that message that Yosef was like, like, like had this emptiness. And, for, and Hashem maybe gives him like, a, like an opportunity. Again, he could have said no. He still could have, he could have closed his eyes. Right? And not looked at that window. He chose to see it. He chose to respond and say, you know what, I'm not going to fill it with that. Maybe slightly different, an open space could be sort of lack of boundaries, lack of rules, unstructured, and that's when people run into yeah, trouble. Yeah. And seeing his father reminded him that there's a structure that we live in and yes. that you need to, you know, yes, so yes. very and similar. That, yes, and that, and, that gives you, and that gives you meaning. And the structure gives us meaning. We think we just want like, <laughs> I'll tell you like a funny mushal. I have like, I meet with... Yeshiva students every day. So I do all morning, right? I hang out with guys in Yeshiva. So guys sometimes like, sometimes the Harusa doesn't work out and then they have like a whole morning Seder. Every day they sit from nine to 12 in the base matters with the Harusa. It's a long time to sit and learn with someone. Sometimes like guys, it doesn't work out. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to learn morning Seder by myself. Nine to 12. I'm like, are you sure? Like, it's not going to go so great. And at first, and I always say to guys like, it feels exciting now. Why? Because you have no boundaries. You have all this time by yourself. I'm going to learn Shnaitmikra and I'm going to learn the Chafas Chaim and I'm going to learn the Gemara myself. And then like after a few days, it's like all that lack of structure like is not so fun anymore. Right? You get lost in it. Right? And similar idea, which I think is very interesting. Okay, so that's idea number one. Idea number one is the Chalon, right, is the window of a void that Aisha's Potiphar tries to fill for Yosef and his father comes and says, or whatever it is, his conscience reminds him. Fill that with the right things, not with the wrong things, which is the, which is the message of Chanukah. That's idea number one. The Salam Rebbe, Nesiva Shalom, I wanted to bring it to you. I didn't have a chance to get it this morning before. Um, before I end it, it focuses in on the language that the Torah uses to describe Yosef's refusal. Right? What do we say about him? 
we say, if you look in Pasuk Ches, Pasuk Ches, Pasuk 8, what happens? So she talks to him and asks him, and what does he say? Vayimain, Vayomer, no, 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 right, so he refuses. He says, no, in fact, that Vayimain is one of the three Shalshalises in the, in the, in Brashas. it's a fancy, there, specifically. But he, he refuses. Where do we find the word Vayimain? Also, in this week's Parsha, we find the same word in, in regards to Yaakov Avinu. Look in source number four. Source number four, You would never even think about this. Such a, I thought it was like such an amazing ha'ara. What do they do? They take his coat and they, after they've sold him, right? They shecht a, 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 a sheep and they, and they dip the coat in blood. And they bring it to their father. So terrible. Abba, do you recognize this? They don't say anything. They don't say, Abba, do you recognize this? And then Yaakov says, Vayakira vayomer ketonos b'ni chayara chalasu. Tarov terefesu. So who comes to the conclusion? Yaakov comes to the conclusion himself and they didn't have to say anything. Right? We didn't have to lie. Abba said it himself. And what happens? Vayikra Yaakov simosav, he tears his clothing. Vayasim sak masna vayisabel abano yamim rabim. He mourns him for a long time. And everyone tries to, to comfort him. He refuses to be comforted. So why does he refuse to be comforted? Chazal say, some say because a person can't be comforted for a person who hasn't died. Okay? Take it back to the hostages. Can't be, can't be comforted for someone who's still suffering. You don't know where they are and you don't really believe that they're dead. He didn't really believe it. Some say that. But others explain that no, that Yaakov knew who Yosef was supposed to be. Ya- Yosef was this resilient person. He was supposed to be the leader, right? He was supposed to be the next one online. He couldn't accept the fact that Yosef would be lost like this. Like he couldn't be. He was too much of a fighter, Yosef. Like he was gonna, he was, this Yosef was gonna, I saw in him, right? This whole concern about Yo- Yaakov favoring Yosef, well, part of it is that he saw something special in him. Right? That was hard for the other kids, but he did. He saw something unique and special in Yosef, and he pushed him a little different than the other kids, like, that, like the point guard who has you know, greater skills than the other players, and the coach pushes him a little harder. You know? like he saw that in him, and he believed in him. So he could not be, he could not be comforted because he, it was like, I can't believe it. He was such a special person. This can't be. So Salam Rabbi says, at that moment, so when Yosef is in that moment of challenge. Right, what does he say? What does the Torah say about him? What happens? He sees his father's face. He sees his father's face. And he says, Abba believed that I was better than this. Just like Yaakov was, he couldn't believe that Yosef would be lost because Yosef was too special. He had that resilience. So therefore, Yosef is it's because his, he knew his father believed what he could be that he refused to give in. So yes, what does it mean his father's face showed up? Is it, is it a miracle? Is it not a miracle? The bottom line is that Yosef's belief in himself and his ability to persevere and his resilience comes, why? Because he knows that his father believed that he could do that. Right? He needed to have that, that, that encouragement. Of his father. It's not a rebuke. Yaakov's not, not, not chastising him. Like, 
Tisk, tisk, how could you do this? He's saying, you know, Yosef, come on, you know, I know who you can be. And you're not doing it. And so that <laughs> pushes him forward because he sees that, that ability. That's answer number two. Answer number three. Wait. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, be sorry. Um, I grew up out of town in Charleston, South I know. <laughs> and, um, okay, I came from a religious home, and my father had a business, he took care of the on the side, was a guy by the other side, and one of four kids we all stayed from. However, when I was in NCSY and saw people who became from, how difficult had that had to be when they went home and they got, get out of my head, you can't eat in my kitchen, get lost. You know, yeah, they had for them hard. to say they're from Kate. Right. So, it's a big uh, nisayan. It's a big nisayan. It's a big in every direction. It's a big nisayan. It's, it's hard for everybody. This is not, again, this is not to say that Yaakov got it right, and that's why Yosef got it right, and then this is our, uh, our you know, we have calculations that, you know, it's a perfect, you just put it into the calculator and it'll work out. Uh, that we don't know. We don't know. We, we, we do our best, and we hope. But we at least have to do our best, right? And then, and then we'll see. We roll the dice. You know, it's still another day. It's, it's mazel, right? What's going to be? But I want to share with you one last idea. And this last idea I saw, I have it in my notes that I saw from my Stephen Miodanik. Miodanik is a rabbi in Avis Achim in Highland Park, I think. I don't know where I saw this from him, but it's, I, mean, I don't know if some, I don't know some scientific, I don't know. But it was such a cool idea that I wanted to share with you. And he mentions the following idea. If, you, if there's one area in the, or one theme Throughout the entire parsha of Ayeshev, one theme, the theme is faces. Faces. <coughs> Why is it faces? So take a look, okay? Next few sources on the page. Okay, go to source number five. It's a Medrash. I think it's a Medrash Rabbah. I'm not positive. It's a Medrash somewhere. What do we say? Eila Todos Yaakov Yosef. Right? These are the children of Yaakov. Yosef was da 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 da. And the Medrash asks, what do you mean? Yeah, it tells Yaakov Yosef. The children of Yaakov are Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, etc., right? So why Eli tells Yaakov Yosef? Says the Medrash, Shahayu Pene Yosef Domin Liyakov. Shahaya Ikunin Domelo. His face looked the same. We have the same thing by Avram and Yitzchak. Right? It looked but just we, the same. But we never, we never heard okay. that. Right? Okay, interesting. Nor did we ever hear that Yaakov was handsome. Right? But he looks like Yaakov, apparently, according to the Medrash. Okay? Have Elu told us Yaakov Yosef, who are the children of Yaakov? Yosef, well, Yosef is the one who looked just like him. The other Midrash and all the things that happened to Yaakov happened to Yosef. They get sent away, their brothers want to kill them, they have to work in someone's house, they live outside, they live in Chutzlar. It's a lot of things that happened to Yaakov happened to Yosef, but fine. Okay? But there's another story that takes place, and a story that we don't usually learn when we're little because. You know, our parents and teachers hide it from us when yeah. we're in third grade. Is the story of Yehud and Tamar. The story of Yehud and Tamar is all about faces. Mm-hmm. What happens? When Yehuda, right, to make the story really quick, really, we'll tell the story really quickly. Yehuda marries a woman. They have three children. The first one marries Tamar, and he dies. Second one marries Tamar, also dies. Yibum, right? Third one, he's like, yo. Let's wait. Right? That's why he's not so quick to marry her to, 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 marry her to, uh, to his son. And what happens? She, but she knows, whatever way, however we understand this, that she's supposed to have a child from Yehuda. So what does she do? So she goes to uh, some place where he's coming to shear the sheep, and she dresses up like a, like a Zona, and she, what does she do? Apparently, he used to wear special clothing. If you were an almana, if you were a widow, she took off that clothing. 
What does she do? She covers herself up, right? And dresses like a, like a zona. And by the way, what's it called? She stands at the face of the enayim, the eyes. Interesting. That's what it's called. Right? On the way to Timna, Shayla was the third son. She saw that Shayla was getting older, she's not giving, he's not giving her over. Why? Does Yehuda think she's a zona? Why? Because she was covering her face. Okay, apparently that's how these women used to dress. They would cover their face. Okay. So, so and what happened? The reason why the entire story takes place is because he, if he knew who she was, what would have happened? He never would have been with her because he would have known that she was his daughter-in-law. Right? But because she, she covers herself up, he never has a chance to know who she is. Right? What happens at the end of that story? He what, takes his, like, so she becomes pregnant and they say, oh my gosh, look what happened. Disgusting. Burn her at the stake for what she did, even though it was him. He doesn't know it was him, right? He's so holy, right? That, he, that she's the one who was Mizana, even though he knows what he did privately. And what does she do? She sends his staff and his signet ring, which he had left with her, right? And before that, by the way, before that, he sends money, right, to give to her and she, they can't find her. So he tells his guys, come back before people start asking questions, right? I don't want to get revealed. And finally what happens she becomes pregnant and they're going to burn her and she sends her, his staff in the signet ring and he realizes it's him. And what does he do? He faces himself and says, sorry, come many, she's better than me. All right, he reveals himself. All right, she's revealed herself and he reveals himself. Right? And now what happens? Now we're able to move forward. Right? The story goes further though with the covering of the face. What happens when Yosef is in the prison after he uh, ends up in jail? Who does he see? He sees the uh, baker and the, the, the baker and the butler. butler thank you. And he sees them. What does he say to them? He sees them. And what does he realize about them? Why is your face so sad? Okay, he notices... He sees their faces and realizes what they can, what's happening to them. And he's able to be a person who can appreciate them and can interpret their dreams and be a person who is there for them. Why? Because he's able to look them in the face. We find it even further. What is unique about Moshe Rabbeinu's Nebuah? The, the uniqueness of, Yosef, of Moshe's ability to talk to Karash Baruch was that he sees him face to face. Something that no one else could do. There is a understanding in this parsha that the way a person is going to move forward in their life is only if they're willing to face other people. When we hide ourselves, when we're unwilling to look at the other people, unwilling to show who we are, so trouble happens for us. When we're willing to face other people, to show our face to somebody else, things start to work out a little bit better. Right? It's only people who are willing to do that. Yehuda grows to become the future king, comes from him. Why? Because he's willing to look at himself in the mirror, right? And willing to face up with, uh, with Tamar. Not surprising then, then what's the turning point for Yosef in his life? When Yosef is there with Ashes Potiphar. And trying to decide, I'm stuck in this place. I don't know what to do with myself. And I'm lost. I don't know who I want to be. And I have a choice to become an Egyptian 
If I were to say true to myself, what does he have to do? He has to face his father, who looks like him, really facing himself. Right? And that this entire story is all about our willingness to face ourselves. Which is, in, that's why I call it that. I usually don't get it right, but this one I thought was good. <laughs> um, and I thought it was interesting when we talk about the menorah, the menorah in the base of Midash. So, how do we refer to the menorah with the same exact language? We say about the menorah, when the Aaron's going to light the menorah, where does he go? What a weird thing to say. The face of the menorah. What is facing the menorah? I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing, by the way, certainly in the story of the Hanukkah, which is exactly the same, same, same battle. The battle of who do we want to be? Are we willing to face ourselves and be ourselves? Or are we going to continue to hide and be, try to be somebody else? Um, and I thought, so interestingly, that this whole idea really, and, and, and oh, sorry, and what is Hanukkah all about? It's the last, Hanukkah is the last holiday. Right? It's, it's chronologically, we sometimes mistake it. It's Hanukkah and then Purim, but in the, our history, it's Purim and Hanukkah. Purim is between the first and second base of Midrash. Hanukkah is in this, during the second base of Midrash. It's the last holiday before Gullus. It's the preparation before we're out of here. I'm not coming back for a long time. Right? It's, the, it's the ultimate moment of, what do we call it? Hester Panim. Hashem doesn't show his face to us. Right? When we're unable to see Hashem. And the question becomes, when we can't see Hashem's face, are we going to lose our face? Or are we going to be able to see ourselves or who we are? And I think that unfortunately, but fortunately is the wrong word, but unfortunately, um, Rabbi Shechter mentioned this last night, Rabbi Shechter mentioned this last night, it's such a brilliant idea, which is so obvious, but so brilliant. He said, we're so upset by anti-Semitism. Why? Because what does it do? It singles us out. It makes us unique and different. Everyone's looking at us and pointing at us and you walk around and you're like, who's looking at me? Do you notice me? Do you, are, you, are, you making, are you thinking something funny about me? When in the end, what is the emotional monster from us? To be singled out, to be unique and different. That's our job. That's who we're supposed to be. And Nitziv writes this. He says, that's the purpose of anti-Semitism. I'm not saying I know Khalilah, why Hashem does what he does. I don't know why Hashem does what he does. But that anti-Semitism makes us face ourselves. And makes us be ourselves and say, well, what am I going to do with this? The whole world sees me as a Jew now. What am I going to do with that? Do I see myself that way? Right? How do I look at myself? Right? And that is the struggle that Yosef faced. Yosef is the ultimate Av of the Gullus. He's the ultimate Av of the Gullus. He lives his whole, most of his life in Gullus. Yaakov lives some of his life. Yosef lives almost his entire life as a Jew in a foreign land. Right? And that's why his entire life is about, he's the only person who's given a name a new name in the Torah, and it's never used again. He's called Safnas Paneach by Paro, and he's never referred that way in the Torah. Why? Because he doesn't identify that way. They'll call him that. He remains Yosef. And he remains strong and willing to be that person throughout, throughout his entire journey in uh, positions of power. He never forgets who he is. And that's what makes Yosef such an important person and, and why you know, again, it didn't used to come out this way, so I don't like, you know, we do. The stories of Yosef always come out during Hanukkah. In the old days, we used to learn, read the Torah in, th- in a three-year cycle, so it wouldn't turn out that way. Okay. But it does now, that it, that it comes out that the stories of Yosef are always, always, always told during the, story of, during the time of Hanukkah, for this reason also. Again, because that's what Hanukkah is all about. 
a willingness to say, actually, I'm not going to be like that. Actually, I'm going to be like me. Which is hard. And it's a struggle. And it doesn't always feel good. And it's not always, it doesn't go great for Yosef right away. Go to prison first for a long time. It doesn't feel great to do that always. It doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy. It doesn't always feel exciting or uplifting or inspiring. That's what I was saying to you about my trip. My trip, I don't know. It was meaningful. It wasn't always inspiring. But it was to see what it means to be a Jew. To see what it means to be people who stand up for something. Because we have to. And now we're being forced to. Whether we like it or not. And I think that that message of being a person who can look at themselves in the mirror or in the open space and decide, what am I going to fill it with? I think is uh, exactly the message of Yosef's life. It's exactly the message of Hanukkah and it is exactly the message of what's happening now to the Jewish people in the world. And that becomes our job, to face ourselves, to look in the mirror and to say, what does it mean to be a Jew? And am I proud to be that? And then what am I going to do with that? How am I going to, how am I going to continue to move forward and be proud of it and hold my hand, head high and, and, and make an impact on the world by doing what? By being me. By being me and by being a Jew and being Ivri Anochi. That's who I am and it's okay. And I'm proud of it. And I think when we do that, then we at least stand a chance as we move forward. Okay. Thank you. Thanks.